0: Hi, I'm Emma, and this is a podcast from Radboud University called Bottle Up. In each episode, I talk to a guest about things you might struggle with as an international student. In this episode, I speak with Ishani about the struggle of always feeling the inner pressure to prove yourself. Let's be open about our struggles. Cheers to the things we bottle up. Hi, Ishani.
1: Hi. (laughs) Nice that you're here. Thank you for having me. Quite of course, excited. of
0: course. How are you doing?
1: Oh, uh, quite good. It's, it's been a long day, but I am excited. Uh, and it's my first time on a podcast. So I'm going to check that off my bucket list, I guess. Yeah,
0: you should, you should. And uh, what has your day been like so far?
1: A lot of meetings. Uh, I've been in meetings, I think, since 10 a.m. up till 1.30. And then after that, it was working on a bit of uni stuff. So a lot of brain power has essentially been used in the morning.
0: <laughs> I cannot tell. It seems to me as if you're
1: fine. I, I'm glad it's working. I guess.
0: <laughs> but what kind of meetings did you do? Uh,
1: so I had meetings with the working groups and an internal meeting from the university student council. And I am a part of that council this year on behalf of the student party ASAP or ASAP, depending on how you want to pronounce cool, it.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay. And what do you study?
1: Uh, So I am currently doing my bachelor in artificial intelligence and this is now my fourth year. And I'm aiming to graduate this year.
0: Okay, okay. And where are you from?
1: So I grew up in Abu Dhabi, but Mm -hmm. ethnically I am Indian.
0: Okay. And what have made you decide to come to the Netherlands?
1: So I was pretty sure uh, around the time, I think I was 15 or 16, that I wanted to go abroad for my studies. And I knew that I wanted to do something technically oriented. But then back home in India, you don't really have bachelor programs related to artificial intelligence. And neither in the UAE was like AI a big thing at that point. So I figured going abroad would be a good option. And then I thought about maybe going to the U.S. or Canada or the U.K. or the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And then essentially it kind of came down to a, like, price-wise because the U.S. is just insanely expensive. Is it? It, it honestly is. I, I, I know friends who pay, I think, seventy or $80,000 a year.
0: Just to just, study? Just, like, yes.
1: Whoa. And my thought was I could, but I could also not do that to myself. <laughs> and just take a better, more holistic approach. And then I think when I did, like, a cross-benefit analysis of, like, the study quality, the education, what I actually enjoyed, and even, like, cost-wise, the Netherlands came out on top. And then within the Netherlands, I applied to three different universities. Mm -hmm. So the university in Tilburg, uh, Groningen University, and Rapport. And I think for me personally, the entire process of... Uh, applying to rabble was so smooth and it really felt like they were with you through the entire process so I thought "Hmm, maybe that's that's the university for me whoa
0: nice sounds (laughs) really cool yeah
1: yeah definitely
0: has it been nice so far
1: uh minus the whole pandemic situation that we had (laughs) for a while I I really have been enjoying my time here I think the study that I have the friends that I've made along the way and all the different experiences that I've taken on in the past couple of years have really like helped me grow as an individual and as a person so I think essentially I've made the right choice in coming here.
0: Mm. And where did you start in this process like you arrive in the Netherlands what's next for me it sounds like so overwhelming
1: it honestly was I still remember my first time so before orientation week and this was back in 2019 uh before orientation week my parents and i we had come to amsterdam for like 3 days just to sort of vibe check the netherlands yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. see how it's going to be and then also have like a little family vacation before i live apart from them cuz when i'd come to the netherlands i was 17 so like fresh out of high school mm-hmm. directly going into university life and after that three days of vacation, we came to Nijmegen, and it was just the craziness surrounding orientation, I think, started from the train station itself, because you had everyone who was normally trying to live their lives going on the train, but then you also had students coming in with suitcases yeah. and giant bags, and then people were being like separated into like different groups, and then you also had the Han there. It was just absolute chaos. <laughs> And then I ended up at uni with my suitcases. And I got my house keys. And then it turns out I was not where I was supposed to be. And everyone from my intro group was in a different spot because that orientation was different. And I had somehow gotten mixed up into like the Rabban international students orientation. I figured. And I didn't know that. And then my mentor mom called me up at some point saying, hi, where exactly are you? And I was like, I really wish I could tell you. I don't (laughs) know myself. Oh, that's the worst case scenario in your your first day. (laughs) It was a lot. Um, But luckily I met my intro group and my intro parents. And then they helped me put all my suitcases and luggage back uh, at my dorm room. And then I got integrated back into the orientation and from then on it was just a lot of meeting new people and then getting to know the program, the university, which I think in itself is a whole week of craziness when you think about intro.
0: Yeah, I love that week. It's so so nice.
1: (laughs) It is. I think um, I liked it that much that I was in the introduction committee for two years after that Mm -hmm. Uh, and then after that. I was like, no, I can't anymore because being an intro committee during the pandemic is, it takes a lot out of yeah. you because um, in 2021, when we had the intro week, they said that you need to come up with two plans, both for an online intro and an offline intro. And we had yeah. to have those two plans until April or May, after which they gave us the go or no go for a physical orientation. So essentially, we were planning two intro weeks when we were supposed to be just perfecting one. And I think that took a lot out of me. So uh, after the 2021 orientation, I was it like, was "Okay, enough. I'm I'm good. I think people have been oriented. They seem happy. <laughs> I think I've done my job." Yeah,
0: I get that. But what was it like to be like in another yeah, uh, not even country, but continent, while being in a pandemic as well?
1: Um, quite isolating for me actually, because. Uh, obviously, when the whole thing started, which was, I think, around March, mm-hmm. I think none of us could have e- expected that it would grow and scale the way it did. And the issue was the UAE has this requirement where if you have a residence a visa, then you have to enter the country every six months. Otherwise, your residence visa expires. Oh. And in February, before we knew that COVID was a thing, uh, I knew that I wouldn't be going home until at least July and I would automatically pass the six-month period. So my parents and I decided to cancel my residence visa. And then that happened. And a week later, uh, the pandemic like really went into full force. So essentially, I was stuck over here until June, I believe, June or July, when they would start issuing tourist visas for back home. And I think it was quite isolating because obviously we weren't allowed to meet people and all my flatmates had also gone home. So it was just very, very silent. And I think I remember there would be days when I would not say anything because I had no one to talk to. And then whenever I would call my parents and the first words would come out of my mouth, then I would realize, oh, I've not said anything in like, I think, eight or nine hours, which is a really weird feeling to have. Yeah. So... I think on one hand, it definitely gave me like a lot of character development because in a way, it helped me prove to myself that you can survive in a pandemic situation on your own in a completely different place when you are just like 17, 18. Uh, But it would have been nice to have like a little more support and maybe in terms of going home which I get the world governments were dealing with a lot obviously then Mm -hmm. but it did feel quite isolating especially knowing that there were friends of mine who I couldn't reach even when they were in the same city and I think that was the most annoying part of it.
0: Yeah. It was really a mental struggle.
1: It it really was. Oh,
0: I I totally get it. (laughs) It must be so weird to be stuck somewhere mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how were your parents feeling back then like I can imagine your family is also freaking out like where is Shani why is she's not here with you oh
1: them? yeah definitely I think it also kind of got amped up because I am an only child so essentially all worries that they have come to me and I I honestly can't imagine what they must have been going through and I think whenever we would call each other we would really try to played strong on camera such that we wouldn't worry like the other person but oh. I think after a point it definitely does take a toll on you because there's a limit to how strong can also like portray yourself especially to family members
0: oh it sounds so
1: heavy <laughs> kind of but I, I think I do look back fondly on the memories that I made with my friends via online campaigns and uh like just talking to my friends online and my family back home. It's not essentially the way I saw my uni life going, but I think that period really helped me like solidify a couple of friendships. And I think in that sense, I'm quite thankful for it.
0: Okay, that's really cool and inspiring that you can look (laughs) back at it like that.
1: I mean, it's either that or cry about the situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but many people make different decisions. That's true, that's true. So that's really really nice um you mentioned quickly that you were like you and your parents were keeping it cool just mm-hmm. not to worry one another yeah would you say that might be an, a cultural thing that you bottle up some things keep it cool back in India or is that a total wrong assumption of mine
1: oh um, I think that's a bit difficult for me to answer because I didn't really grow up in India and I grew up in Abu Dhabi. Okay. So I kind of fall under this category of like third culture kids who fit in everywhere but also nowhere at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think it might have just been like a my family thing but I, I do know that in back home in India there does tend to be like a little bit of discrepancy between what uh, kids feel and what they tell their parents, especially when it comes to things that they're struggling about. And I think lucky for me, I have been raised in an environment where I know that I can go to them if there's any problem. But also, I think as a person, I try not to worry the, the people around me. So I think it's a little bit of juggle of um, keeping in mind cultural considerations, but also keeping in mind my personal feelings and views mm-hmm. towards the matter. But I think it wouldn't be a completely off assumption for you to say that <laughs> there is a tendency for people from of my culture to bottle up issues that they might be facing, especially when it comes to sharing that with family members.
0: Okay. And do you feel like that's a a burden or is it are you that used to not sharing stuff?
1: I think it's become better. I think initially it did seem like a burden because it it really feels like you're in this problem alone and I have had to learn over time that it is okay to ask for help and it is okay to reach out and be vulnerable and it is something that I still struggle with currently. But I think it has gotten much better over the past couple of years because otherwise it it really takes a toll on you and it reaches a point where you you really have to evaluate whether it's actually worth it or not.
0: Yeah, I get that. And can you tell us maybe something about things you struggle with currently, for instance, or during your time in the Netherlands?
1: I think for the most part, my experience in the Netherlands has been quite positive, but I think that also could be because... Of the language bubble that I am in, and I think if I step out of the bubble, I think my biggest communi- like my biggest problem would be the l- barrier that comes with differences in language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my bachelor study is in English, so I'm always surrounded by an international environment. But when you go beyond that, because I. As I mentioned previously, I did try to take on a couple of things that would help me broaden my horizons like as a student. Yeah, And with that, there would also be times when I would just be in groups with people who would f- feel more comfortable speaking Dutch. And as an international, it's quite hard to sometimes break that barrier or speak up and say, hey, I don't really understand Dutch that well. Could you please switch to English? Because at least personally for me, it felt like I was being a burden on them and they had to completely switch up their mode of communication just to accommodate one single person Mm -hmm. and I think that has been um, essentially my biggest struggle thus far because you can really see that in so many different ways be it in terms of uh, making new friends over here, or just trying to include yourself in conversations, or trying to be heard in meetings, but you can't because you can't speak the language. So, I, I think that is something that I do still struggle with.
0: And how do you manage?
1: That's a, that's a great question. I have no idea, honestly. Um, I think now that I've been here almost four years and I have exposed myself to many Dutch-speaking environments. I've reached a point where I can understand quite a decent amount of the language, but I can't really string together responses except, like, the very basic responses because uh, the base language (coughs) of Dutch is not the same as the base language that I have back home. So it's quite difficult for me to pick up Dutch as a language. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it has gotten much better over the past couple of years because of just repeated exposure, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think th- the more I hear people speak Dutch, and if you, like, throw in a couple of English words here and there, which I think most people of our generation tend to do... Definitely. It it becomes a lot more easier for me to follow the conversation, for sure.
0: I think it's really cool that you, when you feel like, oh, I I feel like a burden, mm-hmm. that you're really taking the task on, like, okay, maybe it's nice if I learn some Dutch. Mm -hmm. I think that's cool because you also could just keep on talking in English.
1: That's true. I I do feel that when I did come here, I wasn't sure how long I was going to be in the Netherlands. So I think I also had this mindset of I don't need to learn the language beyond just the basic hi, hello, and enough to get me through like mm-hmm. the grocery store line and beyond that, I think I should be good. But I think having been here for quite a while, I think it is quite important that as internationals, we do make an effort to at least try because no, I, I get that we can't be expected to learn the entire language no. in the, com- <laughs> the amount of time that we're here. But I, in my experience, I do sense that if they see that you are trying, then they automatically become a lot more receptive to you as a person, yeah. which I think also makes a switch to English a bit easier for them. Because it's not that they are being forced to change into a different language, but they're accommodating another person and you're also trying to do the same. So it's it, it's sort of like trying to meet in the middle, but if you don't take that in- initial step as well, then it becomes quite difficult
0: hmm okay that's uh, maybe a nice tip for other international
1: students (laughs) I definitely would say that dude I mean uh, the university does have their free social dutch courses that they have I think every semester but I'll have to check that out don't quote me on that Uh, but it is definitely worth checking out because it does seem quite interesting I myself didn't take that and I feel like I should have and I think next semester, I am planning on staying here longer for my master's as well. So I'm planning on taking the Social Dutch courses to sort of cement my Dutch learning and see how much further I can actually go. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, that sounds perfect.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But how come that you are here
0: longer than expected? Is that because you're doing a... Like you're going to do a master's here as well? Or is that because you're taking more time here than expected?
1: Well, initially the plan was to do it in three years because that's the set time for my bachelor. Mm -hmm. And then I don't know what happened to me during the pandemic. I just something clicked in me and it said, you're not really doing enough to make the most out of of your university life. So the moment uh, we could like sort of get back into normal things, I describe it as being on the train that has no (laughs) brakes. I just kept going and doing stuff. So for example, in my second year, I became like a student mentor and became a part of the about Honors Academy. And then in my third year, I did a board year at my association, Mm Cunyog. And then this year, I'm doing university student council. So because of that, my study also got delayed and I decided to do it in four years. Just doing in three years would essentially be guaranteed burnout. And I didn't really want that. And then beyond that, I decided to do my master's here because I think I found the program here quite nice and the atmosphere and the people that I've met and just... My life in Nijmegen, I can't really imagine it elsewhere currently. Mm-hmm. And I did look at a couple of masters around the Netherlands. But I think the one that really fascinates me is quite unique to out itself. So I figured there's really no reason for me to move out right now.
0: Oh, but that's so nice because you were the one who just mentioned that you were feeling like someone who doesn't fit in anywhere or everywhere. So yeah. you feel <laughs> like you do fit in here.
1: I do. I do. I think sometimes I think that's the case for a lot of people that they question whether they fit in in a certain place. But I think that also depends a lot on how your outlook is as well to see what are the things that matter to me the most. And I think the things that matter to me the most are currently here. So by that definition, I do feel like I fit in.
0: Okay. That's really nice to hear. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to ask you something else about the fact that you were feeling like you were not doing enough Mm -hmm. as a student. Do you have any idea where that pressure came from?
1: I think it's been because I've always been quite an ambitious person and things that I've wanted to do and achieve in life. But I think I had this mindset that if I'm not doing all of these things, then I'm not... living life to its full extent. And I could be doing so much more with my time and being more productive and just generally contributing more to society as a person instead of just existing. And I think that's where that whole sentiment came from, where I felt like I just wasn't doing enough. And I think overestimating my abilities also came into play a bit here. Because I do know that I can do certain things, but at that point, I didn't really have an idea of the limit as to how much I could do. And I think over the past couple of years, I kept pushing that limit to see how much more I could do and to see, okay, if I can push it by a little bit more, a little Mm -hmm. bit more. But then that ended up in me almost burning out and then it's experiencing burnout symptoms. And then that's when I took a step back and thought, hmm, maybe this isn't such a good idea. So this semester, I tried to plan it out a lot better and I'm trying this thing that people have been talking about called work-life balance. Oh. and it's great. <laughs> it is so nice. I never heard of that one before. I I know it's such a rare concept nowadays. <laughs> no, but it's genuinely great because I get to go home at five thirty. I switch off my work stuff, and then I'm at uni the next morning. And it's not like the world has imploded around me if I don't check my emails after 5:30 until 8:30 and it took me a lot of time to come to terms with that concept but it's it's such a great feeling and i now have like 3 days of break and i think i have more time to meet my friends and just take care of myself a lot more go to the gym more often join so a podcast join a podcast it's, it's 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 great honestly i can only recommend it <laughs> yeah but i think i'm
0: i'm just wondering how come that you develop this kind of drive to be that ambitious and you...
1: <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's just the way I've been since a kid. I can't really remember where it started, but I do remember talking to my mom, I think a couple of weeks back, and she said, I don't know, ever since you were like 10 or 11, you've always been on this path that you like. you had to prove something. But I didn't really know prove something to whom, like society is a general abstract concept to myself to my parents i just felt like i had to prove myself to something or someone but the moment i realized that i was trying to prove myself to some thing or someone which is it's such an abstract concept why was i doing that in the first place yeah and then. It, it, it takes a lot of unlearning as well because I think even culturally from back home, we're always on this path of trying to excel as much as possible and we are brought up in very competitive environments. And I think maybe that also factored quite a lot into it. So I think it just became ingrained into who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. And it has required some unlearning to do for sure because being competitive is nice. Uh, being overly competitive, not that much. But it it does take active effort to really stop myself from being like, hmm, okay, another board year, I can do that.
0: (laughs) Oh. Do you feel like at this point that you have proven yourself in some regards? Or are you still eager to do more and more?
1: I think... In terms of whether I've proven myself enough, I think to myself I have because I've gotten this far um, on my own uh, with the choices that I've made. And I feel like having survived through a pandemic, almost burning out with like three kind of bored years, essentially, uh, I think I have proven to myself that I can. And then ambition is still there. But I think I'm just looking at it at a more pragmatic and rational way and putting myself first instead of putting my ambitions first.
0: Wow! (laughs) That sounds like a a great insight, a valuable insight.
1: I I, I try. Honestly, there will be days where I say, no... No, 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 that was not me. That was just some zen relaxed version (laughs) of me who was speaking at that point. But it's, it's something that I try to actively remind myself a couple of times a week saying it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not constantly be doing things. And if you're just in bed the entire day, if that's what you need, then that's what you need. And that's completely okay.
0: Wow. I think you should definitely re-listen this podcast if you're <laughs> having these kind of days. <laughs> I, I
1: think I might. I, I'll get myself in like one of those tiny Spotify keychains and just have the podcast on it constantly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But I should do as well because I really, yeah, I think I can relate at some point mm-hmm. that I really want to be ambitious and do more and more. But thank you so much for sharing. I mean, thank you for letting me share my experience here as well. Definitely, definitely. Time has flown by, but I think we have to wrap it up here. So um, I hope to see you around. And oh, maybe you want to say as last something about like, can international students vote for USC?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. As long as you are a registered student at the university, you can definitely vote to for your favorite candidates to be a part of the USC you can also uh compete not compete elect yourself to be a part of the USC by going through campaign week and doing all the election prep but yeah if you want to be in the USC that is also very possible i think as a USC member there's been an international member for, in the USC for the past 3 years now mm-hmm. and it's not entirely optimal yet But it is getting better. Like we do have translations provided. We do have live translators during the joint meetings with the executive board and the Workers' Council and the University Student Council. And of course, there is room for improvement, but it is definitely possible if you have the kind of passion for student-related issues. Really
0: cool. I think many people are unaware of the fact that internationals are more than welcome. Mm -hmm. So thank you as well for sharing that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bottle Up. This was our season finale. Please let us know what kind of topics you want me to talk about in the near future. So, until next time.